facts, truth, or reality. All works of fiction displayed during this episode that resemble real-life situations are coincidental and are not meant to serve as guides or tutorials to commit any crimes in any country. Please consult an attorney for local laws and regulations. And as always, trust your inner criminal. Just a few, so, including uh, uh, not being, you know, not being talking just for a second. But speaking of technical difficulties, what's up, everybody? Yo. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> hey. We're off to a Sorry, good start. We just had to entirely rebuild our uh, stream. We notice it doesn't look quite as good as usual because the, uh, the box we were streaming from just disappeared from the cloud. Uh, great features of the cloud, your boxes can disappear and you don't know why. Um, oh, the music is also on in the background still. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna pot it down. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a pretty good job for, what, less than an hour's, like, notice that our box got deleted? Yeah. So, yeah. We're, doing, we're doing our rat. I like the excuse they gave as well, they're like, oh yeah, you have a, a ha you know you pay for the box but uh we don't actually charge you for it you have to pay us regularly yeah, they don't auto do like auto pay auto bill kind of things and it's like in cents we're talking cents like they're like yeah you're one cent short like we're gonna delete your box now like what what is this yeah that's uh, crazy does so, this... uh... yeah uh, it's just a good business model <laughs> what did, uh... What did everyone get up to in the the last two weeks that we've missed? Oh man, there's a lot. Uh, I started hitting the uh, hack the box. Yeah, that's a new one oh, for me. You were streaming that for a bit. Yeah, yeah, I was streaming my fail. It was pretty fun. What are your thoughts overall on it? Uh, I, I like it. I it it actually it's pretty fun and it's um like it's uh it's it's fun enough to keep your attention where you're not like thinking of man i should be doing something else and breaking into something else so <laughs> <it's> <laughs> like I, I should be hacking for work instead of like hacking for fun um, yeah kind of I mean, uh, yeah. I will say there are there's a few things that I think are just inherent to CTS, like uh, just certain riddles that just don't need to be there that would never be in a real world kind of thing. But other than yeah, that, it's really fun. Yeah. Um, man, I did some uh, I did some crazy stuff with with uh, radios. I was using a uh, Blade RF to generate some signals with GNU Radio Companion and then uh, using the waterfall feature on the, the HackRF Porter Pack to then uh, look at the signals I was generating and decode some of them. It was it was pretty cool. And uh, 
by like just connecting them with a SMA cable and a, a couple of attenuators, um, it means you don't need a cage. So that, that was pretty fun. I mean, you don't need a what? Uh, like a Faraday? Uh, yeah, yeah, because you're not actually transmitting anything. It's just straight connected one radio to another. But uh, huh. don't don't try that if you don't have attenuators, or you you will permanently damage your hardware. <laughs> Is, it, first, is, like, is that the whole thing where they're like, "Don't turn it on unless you have your, uh, unless you have your antenna connected"? Yeah, or don't uh, like so some of the um, the the HSDPA stuff I used to work with back in the day. Like, uh, the first time I went into the lab, they gave me this repeater, and it's got like the like massive loaders that are supposed to go on. And a loader is basically just like a whole lot of resistance that goes on the end. And um, I didn't know I was like just. Oh yeah, this embedded device. So I pulled out like a hundred screws and like seven layers of shielding, and I'm trying to like probe probe it. And uh, as I power it on, the guy like quickly powers it off, and I'm like, "What?" He's like, "You got to put a loader on, you fool." I was like, "What?" He's like, "You're gonna blow it." I was like, "What?" <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's yeah. An old radio guy just told me off, and that's how I learned. Yeah, <laughs> don't break radios. I never understood it. I like I still don't actually fully get the physics behind it, but I know enough that I yeah. definitely should always connect an antenna. <laughs> yeah. Or at least like you can buy a pretty cheap set of attenuators as or well. Attenuator, like, yeah. Or, yeah, like negative thirty dB just bang on the end of it. Um I'll have to pick your brain about the the actual no, no, no. behind pick- it. Pick Pike's brain. I pick Pike's brain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Resident, resident radio nerd. Hell yeah. Yeah. Radio yeah. He's, he's uh, off fighting fires at the moment. So. Uh, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, he's doing doing the Lord's work. He's doing, doing the Lord's work. work. Oh. Even so, the Lord um, didn't start that work for him. So. Yeah. I don't know. Yo, I don't know Forty maybe. chess. <laughs> um it was a mage cast like a fireball into the into the, the bush and you know um so we should probably get into this week's news um, news let's do it yeah the actual news and the first story we have like let's just get these show notes in this chat just again for everyone uh the first story we have is actually the capital one hacks and uh subsequent arrest of um i guess not not yet convicted, but uh, overwhelming amounts <laughs> of evidence uh, against the individual. Yeah, this is this is this is my favorite story of uh, we've had in in quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because the the opsec is is so bad that it might as not well not exist. Oh, was it? Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't get a chance uh, to actually read the story, so I don't know. I don't yes. know if we want to go into super huge detail, but. Well, it's the person who like worked, like who like stole all the data, uploaded it to their personal GitHub, uh, which their GitHub account was literally their first and last name, and then shared it, uh, shared a link, or it was uh, it was you know GitHub, so it was openly searchable, and so the way it was found is someone emailed the Capital One, uh, you know, uh, you know, responsible disclosure. email address and was, hey you guys uh might want to take a look at this <laughs> yeah. wait a minute yeah, first did... name last name it's all the sensitive info 
Was it malicious? Do you think though, from reading the... it was, it yeah. was very very malicious. Yeah. What the? So f- basically, so like basically, what happened was on the the seventeenth of whatever month it was. I, I forget what month. I I could look it up, but let's. It was the seventeenth of the month, and a, uh, I think it was a bug bounty um, person. In fact, oh, like a white hat of some kind. Yeah. Someone do, someone doing the Lord's work. Um, was uh, evil, and. Uh... All I have to say. Uh, I can't even watch the stream. I gotta watch these Amazon ads again. God I know, me it. too. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is uh yeah, having to having to rebuild audio loopback drivers on the fly. That was really uh-huh. fun. That was super exciting, yeah. especially while hearing a zapping noise uh oh, in my yeah, brain. I for the zapping noise but uh, that that wasn't part of our next challenge it might have been (laughs) should clip it and just like see if you can find any data in it anyway (laughs) right obviously um you know so yeah so we're talking about uh the capital one hack oh yeah yeah so yeah tldr let's get right back to it uh the attacker used their own GitHub, GitLab in their own name, uploaded stuff to it. It was searched. Someone found it and then reported it. Um, yeah. And then the the person who did it replied to Four Octets on Twitter and saying, you know, kind of exactly how how to commit crime. Oh, wow. <laughs> it, it's pretty, like, it's linked to, you know, debit cards that pay for things and, like, every, like just everything you shouldn't do they used slack to brag about how they use uh i predator to tour and then the uh fbi agent in like the in like the doj uh complaint actually says like yeah this ip belongs to i predator this is a tour exit note like yeah there's a, there's a whole lot of um overwhelming stuff so read into that we've put a few extra notes in so you can look for yourself um uh and there are some uh uh, also, there's more information if you are affected by it, which if you're an American, you, you very well might be, um, and what you can do about it. Um, cool. So that yep. was the optic fail of the week. It's a big story. It's going to be huge. It's going to dominate, I think, uh, probably like Equifax, right? I mean, it's got it. Yeah, I think. The, the main thing between this and Equifax is this is like a really commonly used technique in the bug bounty scene of uh, incorrect S3 bucket permissions. I don't know if it was S3. Um, I didn't check exactly what what uh, yeah. storage it was, but yeah. Yeah, and the the DOJ like uh, write-up is super, it's actually like uh, very complete. In- <laughs> There's a lot of... If you want to see what would happen if you did bad things and and what uh, the FBI would write about you, then (laughs) you read it and you won't do those bad things. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, don't do that stuff. Um, So let's move on to the next one. We have uh, Apple's AWDL protocol. So the, um, uh, the airdrop stuff and airplay all over again. Uh, has been plagued by flaws that enable tracking and man-in-the-middle attacks. So there's a lot of um, 
details about this, like different like dosses and and man in the middles and stuff that that occur through um, throughout the article. But if you actually check uh, in the um, show notes, you'll also find that there is a POC on GitHub where you too can, uh, if you airdrop a, a contact to another machine, you can use a BTLE, Bluetooth Low Energy, to pull that off the air. And um, yeah, pocket. So everyone who's going to DEF CON and is going to be sharing their location with their friends and their contacts and stuff, uh, probably patch. Um, yeah. I probably don't do that with airdrop either. Maybe use secure channels. Yeah, like you burn a Game Boy. You burn your Game Boy. Yeah. <laughs> you burn a Game Boy Advance. Um, uh, you know, the SP is smaller. You can fit it in your pocket. Don't worry about it. Folds up. Yep. This is really handy. It's good stuff. <laughs> uh, what, do we, what do we have next on here? Uh, so this is no surprise. Uh, Siri over here is your drug deals and sexual activity. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've heard every smart speaker under the sun getting attacked so far. Uh, so I guess this really comes as no surprise. Um, uh, yeah, more more of the same. Uh, I was the Amazon one. I was surprised at the uh, number that they gave, gave was like half of a percent or something of all all voice activation things um, were were open for up like up for grabs for researchers yeah uh, this i think it's um i don't know if it's anything like uh you know out like that we haven't heard before in the other ones um just you know bringing everything else into the into the news everything you know it's a news story yeah. now because of the stuff we've heard from other people yeah google uh google microsoft amazon everyone's doing it um and i guess one thing you can take away from this uh is if you are going to have a sensitive conversation whether it be of a sexual nature or a business nature or a crime nature or a anything you want to talk about that you don't want to hear somebody else listen to uh don't be in range of your smart speaker uh don't take yeah. siri the meeting rooms um at, at work take uh, yeah. yeah make sure your roomba is out of the room before you initiate sexy time <laughs> don't let your game boy <laughs> your game boy answer speak. some people are into the roombas watching though so i mean yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with googly eyes and a knife duct tape to it uh, yeah that's weird that's that's pretty weird um cool so the next uh next article we had was uh a bunch of vulnerability uh, vulnerability vulnerabilities vulnerabilities in vxworks rtos um so some of the stuff that was being affected was uh, sonic wall firewalls um and there is a pretty big list of CVEs uh, that are all kind of bad. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of like uh, memory corruption leading to um, RCE, heap overflow in the DHCP offer ACK, which is, you know, uh, layer two stuff. So, lol. Um, 
yeah. handling of unsolicited reverse arc replies. So logic, a logic flaw that I'm sure would be quite interesting to uh, to use on the job. Yeah, um, it, it looks like uh, they basically just didn't know what to do with packets uh, <laughs> at all. That's that's they, what I'm getting from this long list of, of wow. CVs is that there's like you know what <laughs> just yeah. anything you put in a packet will fucking will just execute it as code. That is uh, a, yeah, like, that is quite <laughs> a slam, man. That, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you know, the whole the whole stack OSI model every layer. Let's make a mistake. Let's make at least one mistake on every layer. Yeah, um, uh, so that's that's cool. Um, tumbling down. But yeah, so I guess if you are using those uh, Sonic Wall firewalls and and other affected devices listed uh, in there, then you should should probably uh, patch again, update. Consider a different product if, if maybe that's easier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, God. Mm, fun times. What's next? FSB contractor owned, Tor, Dianon, and more. Yeah. So, uh, so hackers, which doesn't say who, I, I believe it doesn't say which hacking group. Yeah. Digital Revolution. Uh, yeah, they uh, they breached an FSB contractor, and they found a bunch of uh, interesting projects they were working on. They stole something like seven and a half uh, TB of data from the contractor's network. Like, if you're a defense contractor and you know you're working with FSB and and seven point five TB gets exfilled and you don't notice, um, yeesh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it says yeah. Um, That's easy to happen though, man. I think it. Oh, yeah. I think seven terabyte. I don't know. Seven terabytes is kind of a lot, but yeah, just leaking oh, out of your network. <laughs> like for over how long of a period of time though? Does it say? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think, um, I don't think it says. Uh, apparently, the hackers are going by the name of O Virus, mm. with a one and a, and a dollar sign. Dang. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Very advanced. But yeah, one of, the, uh, one of the projects that was leaked was, again, something that we've brought up that a lot of people don't realize is, is happening is Tor uh, de-anonymizing, which is legit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, every time I keep thing. trying to open that uh, article... I get slammed with a with a nice break, and uh, I can't I can't get through the whole article. What uh, what's the Tor de-anonymization part? So that was one of the projects that they were working on. Yeah. Oh, the FSB guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a contractor working for the FSB. I got you. So Uh, I mean, they also stole apparently a whole Jira instance. It's funny that uh, there was that Idor and Jira uh, that we were in our show notes two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, yeah. maybe. and uh, yeah, you, you just take secure uh, attachments, and that was very nice. We actually missed an article here because it looks like the the show notes have a a, a bug. I pasted it into the Twitch chat. 
Um, this is an interesting one as well. Uh, so Immunity Security, who make the product Canvas, if you're not familiar with Canvas, it's, um, I guess, a competitive Metasploit in some ways, penetration testing toolkit. Um, it contains a, blue key, a, a working blue key RCE and they're selling it and people are mad um, because mm -hmm. Canvas is for sale. But welcome to the world of exploits and- uh, Just welcome to the testing. world. Right? Yeah. Like, since when has this not happened? Like, I don't, I don't get why anybody would be uh, surprised by it at all. And they're going to try and shame them? What the hell? Yeah. I'm mad about it? Like, it's crazy. Like, you think about uh, basically every bug that hasn't been patched yet, or even has been patched, you know, ends up in Metasploit. There's just like hundreds of modules or more, like, you know, like own stuff. That's yeah. what penetration tests do. I, for one, want to see uh, exploits start coming in loot boxes. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you open up a loot box and you see what kind of exploit you get. With, uh, like you might get a, yeah, yeah. You might get a legendary blue keep exploit, or you might get, you know, like a common, uh, a common idor somewhere. God damn it! Yeah, you get a, a buster. <laughs> you, get a, you get a WordPress XSS like reflected. Yeah. XSS. Like, ah, God damn it! That's Twelve XSSs in a row. Oh, nobody <laughs> uses this plugin either. <laughs> it's a plugin for writing blog posts. That's what something else does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shit, man. That's that's terrible. Uh, I I fully support cool. it. Whatever, sell it. Like, yeah, good for him, good for them. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the all the scary people have already weaponized it, so yeah, right go for it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's so it's wormable. Like, so was everything else. Like, that was decom, decom RPC in like two thousand and something was also wormable, and then got wormed, and like the internet didn't change. I think um, it's a small contingent of people that uh that are upset about it though i really do like it, it seems to be kind of the same people that get upset about exploit code being posted and like but proof do you think of concept that... ransomware stuff like that like whatever do you think black hats are buying canvas no <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> like <laughs> yeah I don't think black hats are. I don't, I don't think black hats are buying canvas. And even if they yeah. are, then you know, good for them. They're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> doing well. Uh, Silly. Nah, but yeah. I, I mean, in all honesty, though, it's it, it's never not happened. The only difference maybe is that we're more. Uh, in tune with what everybody's doing like everybody knows everybody's like thought stream because we just post everything we think and feel online these days instead of uh yeah instead of keeping a little mystery to stuff but i don't think anything's different i think it's been like this since the 90s literally yeah it's very much a first to market thing uh like this would have been anyone else had they, you know, done this first. Um, yeah. The story could have been about any number of 
you know, security companies. Rapid but, Seven. Yeah, <laughs> Rapid yeah. Seven selling blue key exploits. Um, yeah. But it's only a matter of time until this exploit is everywhere else. Like the the, the timer is ticking for the it to only exist in Canvas. Well, I mean, to the to where anyone can buy it, but where yeah. you know, the, like you said, the people who are truly scary. Uh, and spooky, spooky spies. I'm sure that it's been weaponized since uh, those box came out. Oh yeah, uh, like a month, two months well, ago. Where, but, whenever. but this is the one that came from the NCSC in the first place. So this has been probably weaponized for like five to ten years, hasn't it? <laughs> likely, <laughs> likely. <laughs> like we'll this, this came from the spy industry. <laughs> Yeah, I can't hear you. Right. Yeah. What? What did he say? Hmm? Uh, like, how long has it been used against us? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. You know, how many times? Yeah. For sure. Like, if it wasn't, uh, you know. If it was still like super super useful uh, to the scary people, it wouldn't have been necessarily uh, disclosed. Probably released, yeah, yeah. yeah, disclosed as it was because you know, you can only imagine. I'm thinking they used it on a. They used it, and they're like I'm purely speculating here, obviously, but thinking they used it. Their infrastructure got compromised on whatever target they were on, and they were like, "Oh shit, they have no yeah. kit." <laughs> I'm sure they, they did use it and did bring a stupid excuse as always, like terrorist prevention or that kind of stuff. They probably got way more data than they should. Yeah, well, yeah. there's probably more to it still than we even know right now. Like, there's literally yeah. probably still more pieces to that puzzle. Yeah, security is just fucking illusion sold by marketing. Uh, yeah, you know. it's one of those things, like, a couple of years down the line, we'll, we'll probably know uh, more more about the story. But... We'll, we'll get another Canvas uh, module. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be a book this time about the history of... Uh, it's just a never-ending stream of canvas and metasploit modules to slowly bring us up to yep. speed with what the governments have been doing for years and years and years and years. Yeah, that's so, not uh, a secret anymore. So, um, moving on to our next story, this one is uh, is pretty short, kind of uh, scary, kind of funny, kind of more scary. But uh, there was a ransomware attack uh, against um, South African infrastructure, and uh, it left Johannesburg in the dark. So, lol, don't get ransomware at the power plant. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. sometimes I wonder if like people who ransom stuff even know what they're ransoming. Yeah. Like. I mean, <laughs> How many how many times has someone been like, give me five thousand dollars for your network back? And it's like, yeah, it's a power plant. <laughs> like, uh, I think sometimes. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I think the, uh, the MTA in San Francisco, I'm pretty sure they knew. Yeah. 
MG. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Some, uh, Shouts out. There's some that do their homework, some that don't. Yep. Yeah, I wonder so, if they, it doesn't actually say if they paid out on it or not. Which I'm wondering. That's really. It says they got hit. There, yeah, hasn't been, uh, there hasn't been any updates on it because there's no electricity. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get out news. <laughs> Time to bust out IP over Avian Carrier. Hell yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they got lions. They could just tie it to a lion. Lion's pretty hard to get up than, uh, than a pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, moving on, this is like an interesting story. The next one um, is uh, Microsoft owns github is blocking developers in u.s sanctioned countries so uh, countries that are sanctioned by the u.s are not able to use uh, github which is inevitable i guess since the microsoft purchase uh, microsoft being obviously a you know a heavy u.s company and and following the rules in so you know following the rules where they like um but a developer in uh, crimea um was unable to uh Oh, had limitations placed on his GitHub account because of U.S. Uh, sanction regulation. Just yeah. like everything Microsoft touched, they fucking ruined it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, previously GitHub was an American company before Microsoft, I believe. But um, I guess they were, you know, following the open source stream. Yeah, they were more permissive than Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, and there's also yeah. stuff where it's a lot of the people, or some, of, I shouldn't say a lot, but some of the people that they uh, blocked access to were just uh, Iranian nationals living in other countries, too. Yeah, so, but they got to do like, it. I mean, like, it's a legal requirement. It's not yeah. like GitHub's just decided to be dicks. Like, I, we know some of the lawyers over there, they're good guys. But, uh, yeah, if it's a US based company, they don't have a choice to comply with the law. Otherwise, they're going to get in trouble and lose everything. Yeah, yeah. And to your point earlier, yeah, GitHub was around before, but GitHub as a company or an entity, now that it's part of Microsoft, they have a hell of a lot more to lose now that yeah. they're Microsoft, too, you know? Exactly. Yeah, we'll go at them just because it's Microsoft. I think though that with the nature of uh, Git repositories and and complete clones, um, moving to a different platform or a self-hosted platform or something, really shouldn't be too much of a developer, like a problem for the developer, other than a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's a pain to move. You move the project, people. It's like when everybody was moving off SourceForge, people kept going back to SourceForge looking for stuff. And it just wasn't there anymore. Like, no. Where is it? There's GitLab. I'll use GitHub first. We gotta look at GitHub first for stars. Or are you using GitLab first? I don't know a single person that's gonna type GitLab before GitHub. Yeah, yeah I guess maybe true. we might start. Yeah, I mean, there's a large push for GitLab when Microsoft bought GitHub. Uh, kind of almost in anticipation for a thing like this happening. Uh, all the free software, like movement, uh, yeah, they're gonna flee from that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think people, yeah, people got upset about it, but whatever. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, in the end, it's it's you know, if you don't agree with it, like use use a product that doesn't do that. That's uh, like it's Git, unfortunate that it's happening. GitHub.ir. <laughs> do it. Up. I mean, that is the really like at the end of the day if like you're using a service that most people use free github as well they're not even using the paid uh like for private repositories or whatever so if it's free i mean you don't really you just take what you're given right yeah <laughs> yeah i think i feel like gitlab gitlab's gonna get some business off of this uh for sure yeah but, mm. and as i should but, you can run your own instance, yeah, but they also have their own. Uh, they have their own. Uh, uh, the same back end. Yeah, they have well, they have their own site too. Yeah. Then they're definitely going to get clipped by uh, export law. I mean, every it's literally illegal. It's just yeah. illegal to to sell or provide products to. To these countries. Yep. yep. So and then, well, we, that's what the sanctions are. That's exactly what the sanctions are for. Yep. Um, yeah. So moving we'll on to the next one, with uh, still with uh, Iran, we have uh, Iranian. This was this from a couple of weeks ago. Iranian state hackers targeting LinkedIn users with dangerous malware. Well, because <laughs> um, we know everybody who uses LinkedIn is obviously IQ above average <laughs> um maybe below average but uh yeah attributing uh, so far i have attributed it to uh apt 34 being iranian based um where yeah they're they're targeting people over linkedin which kind of makes a lot of sense since a lot of people like to tell you where they work yeah they do someone was talking uh the other day or i heard someone talking about i don't remember where creating uh like, what should we call it? Creating honeypot users and having adding them to your corporation in uh, like important positions in order to kind of catch this uh, before it reaches other users. That's pretty smart. Um, which is, yeah, I thought it was a pretty pretty smart way to go about it. Like, so that way, if you, uh, you know, if someone is targeting your employees, uh, you'll you'll your security team will be notified of it. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. Did, did, did uh was it public? What company was doing that? I haven't heard much about that actually. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if it was. It was a bigger one. I mean, I'd hope so. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, I imagine. Honestly, the smaller the shop is, usually more nimble they are. They can move quicker. Yeah. I guess oh, it, I think we have a flash news. Ilsec got arrest. <laughs> Wait, what? Really? Yeah, he Ilsec got arrest does. for sweating. <laughs> like 70 charge. Oh, nice. Well, I guess we didn't see that coming. No mm-hmm. shout outs to Ilsec. Satellites will drop on your house and you'll be loving me, baby. Play <laughs> stupid games, win stupid prizes. Yeah, of it. course. That's what happened when you're stupid. Uh, like a shopping cart slipping on ice. <laughs> um, 
so yeah but I, I do wonder a little bit about um attribution in this as well like there's there's apt 34 appears multiple times like iran blah 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 fire eyes saying it but uh is it who knows I find that really weird yeah i, always... I mean probably just off ttps yeah uh but i think i don't know they do a pretty good job yeah. man I mean, like yeah. they're not—they're not just throwing <laughs> things at a dartboard. They usually have uh, no. their reasons. But we've seen like a whole bunch of uh, Iran versus U.S. stuff recently. You know, Trump going on about uh, targeting missile control systems, and then oh, by the way, the U.S. won. And then like, you know, that was the uh, the disruption uh, campaign. That Iran were running against U.S. entities and stuff like that. It was all, it's all been very tit for tat, back and forward. So I always wonder about this actual attribution. It's good that you know when you're when you're done with high school and and school that all the petty garbage stops and we can all act like adults. Oh. Uh-huh. Wait, no. It never ends. It okay, never so it ends. says the industries that they targeted were energies and utilities, governments, and oil and gas. Uh, yeah, they utilized... Pretty... Uh, they said they were from Cambridge University, a researcher. Uh, and then they used uh, a fake uh, domain associated like to look like it was from Cambridge. Hack. Hack. Cam-research-ac.com. <laughs> okay, it was not even like Omoglyph, nothing like IDN manipulation. It was just a fake domain, not the uh, yeah. same name. Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, it's like it's what you see a lot. But... In- Invoice.pdf.exe. Yeah. Wow. Those are... So I guess... Uh, insanely successful. <laughs> Moving on, we have uh, this. This is something we saw in Australia uh, when all all the latest in, uh, encryption round stuff happened, uh, where we heard from our Home Affairs Minister that uh, you know you just need to you need to accept the new encryption laws because it's best for everyone. And so the U.S. Attorney General uh, says that Americans now should accept security risks uh, risks of encryption backdoors. Um, which yeah. is crazy. That's it's absolutely crazy insane. because they don't. If there's a backdoor, a hacker gonna find it, and they gotta remind them themselves that it's the only thing that protect your fucking money in the bank. If there was no encryption and shit, it would be chaos for real. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's just one of those things where it's again. Um, when someone doesn't know what they're talking about, like what they say comes off absolutely tone deaf. And this is just another example of that. Um, people who don't know about computers making computer laws, we're trying to make computer laws. Yeah. Um, absolutely insane. It was just like, uh, as soon as, what, it, what was it? Um, Fire Sheep. And like, as soon as that like came out right back in the day, like you instantly saw everyone pick up uh like like start encrypting their traffic but it was like that's that's why like that's literally why <laughs> like yeah and i mean the the wall of sheep 
even but like if you have ever seen the wall of sheep it's like that it but then they it was a firefox plugin and now everyone can have it wherever I, they are yeah i never got know. a chance to use it uh, I, like i things saw needed it to change and, and now they're just basically flipping you know the authorities are basically flipping on this but um it does mention about the uk here but it also the same thing happened in australia as well apple google microsoft whatsapp um everybody basically said no uh the laws are amended a little bit still not too great yeah um, well let's let's uh since we're running a bit short on time let's just uh wrap up the rest of the news here uh real quick i have pro ftp arbitrary file copy yep pro ftpd again um stop running ftpd in 2019 <laughs> like if that's not it's just please scp exists yeah exactly uh, like why the fuck will you treat just open layers that we all know that is vulnerable but yeah people still use cpanel and all thanks yeah yep. thanks and thanks, if you thanks. uh if you are looking for an alternative way to set up uh, FTP for someone to use, you can set a user's shell to, to SFTP only, um, and then give them an FTP client that support like basically all of them, and they'll use S SCP without even knowing it, like SFTP through SSH. <laughs> so that's, wow. That's the SFTP only. Yeah, you can true, you can jail, you can you know do whatever you want. There's a, a million things, a ways to harden it. We don't have to run an FTP server, and the person you're giving it to doesn't need to know that it's not FTP. So do that. Um, uh, next up, Phineas Fisher denies working for the Russian government. Lol. Like, uh, um, yeah. I like good, that he's still out him. there, like contacting people too. Like, good for him. He's out there, like coughing back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, whatever, man. Man, the next maybe one maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. The next one though is some serious business. The like Siemens contractor doing logic bombs and spreadsheets. Oof. <laughs> oh, what's man. he trying to do? Like, is he's like trying to keep his job, making sure that he gets rehired because the spreadsheets explode. Yeah, um, yeah. So oh, I mean, it was yeah, it was it was basically a time bomb. Logic bomb would crash for cease after a certain date, resulting in Siemens hiring the contractor to fix the latest bugs. Yeah, that's yeah, and uh, that's yeah. illegal, friends. Yeah, <laughs> now faces up to ten years in prison, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, or both. So uh, oh, he's American. Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. So some prison time. Don't That's, do that. It's critical yeah, infrastructure. So the next one, Apple is reported uh, reportedly trying to buy Intel's modem division for at least a billion dollars. Who cares about the billion dollars? That's, you know, play money for companies like this. But what yeah. is uh, interesting is that then Apple will have their own technology um, to put into their smartphones for 5g um and if you've been following anything over the last year you'll know there's a whole range of bullshit going on with uh 5g networks and uh handsets and so apple having their own will allow them to 
all the uh, control over their own stuff without having to rely on another vendor. So it could yeah. be a good investment. It's probably not going to be too, uh, if anything, it would probably be detrimental to Android uh, devices or other five other five G modems since they probably aren't going to license it out uh, and keep it for themselves. But yeah, they're not. Vendor. Uh, anyway, I think we'll take a, a five minute break and uh, we'll get back to it uh, with our guests for tonight. Sounds good. Uh, let's see yeah. if uh, yeah. let's see if we can do it with huh? audio, not destroying <laughs> my world. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll do the break and we'll get the we'll get things we get going. Yeah. But back to <laughs> back to reality. Look, professionalism is le- is uh is measured in the the amount of uh, sliding volume scales. <laughs> Look, man, I'm to use a crossfader. It's over nine thousand. If I yeah, I would have hooked it up to my uh my actual mixers and everything, but we had less than an hour, and cool. we made it so, happen. We made a show happen for you guys. We're gonna talk about uh, I guess we've we've labeled it open source farmer. But we've got uh, Dr. Michael here with us. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do? Yeah, so I'm the chief spokesperson for the 4Thieves Vinegar Collective, which works in human rights and global health. And the sort of overarching agenda is to try to bring access to medicines and medical technologies to people who don't have them and the methodologies that we employ are trying to develop techniques so people can manufacture their own medicines and medical technologies on their own and increase uh, personal and bodily autonomy that is very awesome um so I guess, like, how long has uh, has the organization been been running for? How long have you guys been at this? Well, we've been public for about four years. Um, we were underground before that, and so maybe totaling a, a dozen years. And uh-huh. uh, but uh, yeah, we've been sort of publicly active for about four. That sounds absolutely awesome. Um, I guess there's, uh, especially in uh, United States, where a lot of uh, medications are not subsidized um, by the government and, and people are paying through the nose for things that they, they really need. Uh, it sounds like it's, it's a pretty good cause. Um, there are three main reasons why people get disenfranchised from access to medicines or medical technology and they are price, legality, or lack of infrastructure. And in first world countries uh, like the US, the first two are the main culprits and in third world countries, it's the third. Um, uh-huh. When you empower people to manufacture their own medicines, you can bypass all of that. So what's, uh, I guess the, there's a lot of sanctions and, and, uh, and strict regulation around 
the manufacture of, of pharmaceuticals. Um, so what kind of areas are sort of the, you know, the places that uh, are the least, you know, the, the place where you can get the most done with the, with the least sort of uh, being held back by all those regulations? Well, this is only if you have respect for those regulations. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm, I, I, I say that not in jest. It's, it's an important distinction to make that one is held back by unjust regulations only if one wishes to abide by them and not run the risk of running afoul of them and having uh, legal repercussions. But on one of the things that we're very pleased about is that because we are empowering people on an individual level, it's very hard to detect that people are actually running afoul of these sorts of regulations. And so it's also very difficult to prosecute. And so people who decide to actively take their health into their own hands, they do run a non-zero risk, but it is sufficiently less than if someone were to say, you know, set up shop and start manufacturing drugs that they were selling or distributing for free or or whatever. Mm -hmm. If people are making their own medicines on an individual level, that is lower risk than you might think. Yeah. So like uh, pe people making that their own mind for themselves um, and not, not, you know, being sketchily selling it on the street and people not knowing what's in whatever it is, you know, because they, right. That's a very different animal. Yeah. Yeah. So with uh i guess what's sort of the barrier to entry to for that kind of thing how like is there um you know like restrictions on on what's required to to be involved with like to take your to your health into your own hands or mostly it it's the will to act so uh, in in the first world and especially in the united states there's a tremendous culture of outsourcing of responsibility of any task that is seen as specialized. And increasingly, everything is seen as specialized. It's a, it's a cultural gap. In the United States, um, and, I, and I don't know where all of you guys are based. Uh, can you just tell me where each of you are geographically? Well, I'm in Australia. The uh, U.S. From uh, Canada, Montreal. Okay, cool. So here, I just have a round-robin question for each of you guys. Um, like each of you, if you think about your your friend and family pool, people who you would know this particular fact about, how many people do you know who do something as basic as change the, their own oil in their car? Totally. Most people. Yeah, quite a few. All right, cool. So that's interesting. Um in the general population, and I, I, th I think that's that's indicative of the company, because in the general population, very few people actually do that. And and despite the fact that you know if, if the four of us are talking about it, right, it's a pretty simple process. You're talking about unscrewing a single bolt, uh, letting a liquid drain out of the machine, or screwing the bolt back in, and then refilling. It's a pretty simple process, all told. Um, however, if you go through most of the U.S., 
oil change places just litter every city because people are scared to do it themselves, not because they're lazy or because they're, you know, decide that they'd rather outsource this because it's a dirty job or, um, but honestly out of fear saying, oh, what if I got it wrong? What if I do something wrong to my car? And it, and the ideas that that comes from the fact that if somebody else does it, if it doesn't work, it's not your fault that it's screwed up. Um, and this attitude is widely held, especially in the U.S., in regards to health. People don't take care of their health, and then they wait for something to go so chronically wrong that they can no longer function, and then they go to the doctor and say, fix it. And, and it's not a process of involvement. So even on the most basic level, the shift is mostly one of saying, look, yeah, a doctor may have gone to school to be a doctor, but I don't need to be a doctor. I need to learn about my body, not everybody, just mine. And, and this is especially important for people who suffer from rare diseases, orphan diseases, or have something that's, you know, gone long undiagnosed that, you know, they suffer from something and the various doctors and specialists they've gone to have thrown up their hands. If you have health, which we all do, you can become an expert on the health of your particular body without spending 12 years doing it. What doctors go to school to do is learn how to administer to a lot of different people with a lot of different things and a lot of different situations. You can become an expert on your own health fairly quickly. And if you have an ailment, you can very quickly become better informed than your general practitioner on your particular sickness. And that's, that's step zero. You want to talk about the barrier to entry. It's the will to act and being willing to say, yeah, I'm going to learn and I'm going to get involved. That's, that's step zero. Yeah, definitely. That's uh, certainly if, if somebody's diagnosed with, uh, let's just say diabetes or, or whatever, I guess the, one of the first things they should do is learn everything they can about looking after themselves um, because that's something they're going to have to do every single day. Yeah, and um, we'll learn about like the food, the properties, they're going to know how oh, I can eat that. That's going to affect me. The same can apply to other illness or, or sickness that, that they have. And honestly, we should all do that before we get sick. We should be thinking about what we're eating. We should be thinking about how we're exercising. We should be thinking about how well we're hydrating. We should be thinking about how well we're resting. We should be thinking about our air quality. All of these things are really basic, but so often our idea of healthcare is really sick care. We wait until we're ill to address anything. Yeah. That's cool. very true. Yeah. So, I mean, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Dan. No, no, I was go just. Ahead. I, I I don't want to hijack the conversation towards uh towards depression and stuff like that, but there's a there's a decent amount of it running around in uh kind of the circles that we run in and in tech and hacking stuff in general and uh when you're in that state of mind it's hard to prioritize eating right 
and getting exercise and doing stuff like that at all. Like that's the absolutely. You know what I mean? It's the furthest thought. From yeah. Mind. Yeah. Let's say Do that you... a lot of us have sleep deprivation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going on two days no sleep. Is there? Yeah. So it's there are these there are these dangers and and that is a thing. Addressing mental health is a very tricky thing, and and depression, as you point out, is um, is debilitating. And as are all illnesses, and of course that is a problem that having the wherewithal to start addressing things while you are ill is a very difficult cycle out of which to break. Yeah. Um, and so to kind of, to kind of tell in the, the question, what do you have any, any tips that you can think of that you could, you could maybe give some of the listeners that, uh, you found have have been successful with people and patients. So for depression specifically, I actually have uh, a trick that is potentially quite effective that hasn't been published yet um, because it's part of a research that uh, I'm currently involved in with some medical professionals. But uh, regarding depression there's this interesting phenomenon, which is that the hippocampus starts to atrophy. Uh, it's a particular part of the brain. It's, if you like to look into its structure and function, there are really easy ways to research that. But roughly speaking, there's a part of your brain that starts to actually shrink when you're depressed. Now, there's an interesting fact, which is that the other situation under which that part of the brain atrophies is when people exclusively use uh, turn-by-turn directions. Oh, interesting. That part of the brain also deals with navigation and sort of placements uh, spatially and geographically. So, there is a potential process to reverse that atrophy outwardly. And so if you take a map, an actual map, and then decide to use that map to navigate to a place that you haven't been before, and and it, it doesn't have to be out in the wilderness. It can be in the very city in which you live. You just pick a location that you haven't gone to, and you look at the map, and you don't use GPS, and you use the map to orient yourself, and you look around, and then you make your way, and you use that as a practice, that can reverse that hippocampal atrophy. And the reversal of hippocampal atrophy will also combat depression. Hmm. It is a really weird connection, but I was lucky enough to stumble across this with some other medical researchers and we've been we've been writing it up for the past uh, I don't know it's been almost two years now, but this is a, this is a potential potentially very cheap, <laughs> easy therapy for uh, people who are depressed. So um, that's pretty go uh, good stuff. Yeah, I never heard of that before at all, and I yeah, think that's, uh, some, that's some real dope research. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Yeah, it's cool because at the same time. It makes sense. I don't use cell phone signs maybe two years and I've been like reading card and everything and I'm more happy signs I don't use cell phone 
that that might sound stupid, but at, at the same time, I, I'm just linking both right now because I wasn't aware of this duty. Yeah, it's it's it was a it was a wonderful thing to uncover, and you know, there remains a lot of research to be done about uh, why it works or or you know its its efficacy rate, but it suggests certain things about navigation, our place in the world, what we think about place in the world in terms of specific location and purpose, and a lot of other subtler things that I think. Uh, hopefully will be picked up by researchers who are more expert on this sort of thing than I am. It's pretty interesting. It, it seems like uh, the organization has quite um, a wide range of, uh, of areas. What are the, the largest areas you think that, uh, that can make a difference? Like, is it, is it the basic medicines or is it, the, is it more therapeutical stuff? Like where, so, yeah, so our flagship project is the Apothecary Microlab. It's an open source automated chemical reactor that allows people to manufacture the active pharmaceutical ingredients in medications. And so if there's something that's entirely inaccessible, you can make it without having a background in science or chemistry. The software will walk you through the process and it'll automate all of the things that are easy to screw up long, boring, um, and, and at the end, you can get your active pharmaceutical ingredient and administer it yourself by packing it into pills or pressing it with tablets or whatever your route of administration is. That's our main thing. I mean, we've had a lot of other projects um, come up along the way because they fit with our goals. However, that's the, that's the one that we're working to get to a nice solid beta stage so that we can have it in the open source community and people can pick it up and people will hopefully figure out ways to do things with it that we haven't thought of. People will figure out ways to improve it that well, we hadn't considered and it'll just be a tool for everybody and we can, um, we can dissolve as an organization or at least move on to other things. Yeah. Now, looking at your website, I didn't like you guys uh, are like behind the EpiPencil. Yes, that was us. You want to tell us a bit more about that? Because I think I feel like that's a really, really cool thing that a lot of people might have heard about before. Yeah, so we, we came above ground in 2016 in the summertime. Um, and we took advantage of the fact that Martin Shkreli was in the news and we manufactured Daraprim on stage and I, uh, I cracked his cell phone and called him from the stage and, um, you know, I threw pills to the audience and we had a good time. That was at Hackers on Planet Earth and, and that was fun. And we got back to work on the Apothecary Microlab and because people had sort of heard about us, we were getting a lot of, um, notifications or, or letters, I should say, we we're getting letters through the website. Um, people were contacting us saying, Hey, why aren't you doing something about the EpiPen? And we were saying, well, you know, we're talking about pharmaceutical manufacture, not devices. This is kind of not what we do. And people would write back and be like, well, you should. And, and this happened over and over and over. And finally I got on our, um, on Semaphore, which is our secure communications channel. It's like Slack, but encrypted. And 
we were like, well, should we do this? And everybody said, yeah, we should do this. And so we sort of looked into it like, okay, um, EpiPens are important. If people don't get them in a very short amount of time, they die. And a lot of people can't afford them. What's the, what's going wrong here? So we started looking at manufacturing adrenaline. And the thing is, is like, that's not really the thing. Adrenaline's easy to get. And we're like, well, what's, what's the gap here? And it's, oh, this is just a delivery mechanism. Oh, this is silly. Yeah, we could build this. How hard could it be? Um, so we started looking for off-the-shelf auto injectors. And the interesting thing is that there aren't very many out there. There's the EpiPen. There's a glucagon pen that's uh, designed for diabetics. And th that doesn't use a syringe. It uses sort of a, a baggie and a needle. And then the only other preloaded auto injectors out there that we found were for um, anti-chemical and biological warfare agents. Um, and those are exclusively manufactured for the American and Israeli governments. So we weren't gonna get our hands on those. And so we were kind of dead in the water for a little bit until um, one of the people in the collective found this reloadable auto injector that's designed for needle phobic diabetics. It's just people who don't like shooting themselves up. So you load the syringe into this spring-loaded mechanism, you screw it shut, you set it, uh, you press it into wherever, and then you press the button and it does it all for you. And so we took some time because we had to find large gauge needles that would mate with small syringes, but eventually we found a combination that worked. And then we realized that, yeah, for $30 to set up, you could have your own um, EpiPen equivalent that we call the EpiPencil. And you could reload it for $3, which is great. And on top of that, you can test it because shortly after we released it, and I should say shortly after the FDA said, don't make your own EpiPen equivalent, <laughs> um, Pharmaceuticals recalled something like 80,000 EpiPens because they were failing. And there are these just absolutely heartbreaking stories of people dying because their EpiPens didn't work. And the problem is with a single use tool, you can't test it. You hold it in faith that it will work and you use it and it will either work or it won't. And there's just this terrible story about a father with a, a, a child with some allergy who was on a transatlantic flight. The food wasn't labeled properly. She went into anaphylaxis. He had two EpiPens with him. The first one failed. And then the second one failed, and then he sat there watching her die. It was just so unbelievably tragic. And with something that's reloadable and open source that you built yourself, you can test as much as you want and make sure that it works because it's, it's reusable. So we're very proud of that work, and, um, and we hope that some people out there have managed to get some uh, use out of it and managed to get some relief from the uh, economic hostage taking is taking place in the American medical system. That's some real cool stuff. So like, uh, so you have those, those two projects you're talking about. Is there anything else like, uh, like in the works? 
Oh yeah, well we have a we have a a handful of things uh, going on. We're we're working on um, a sort of anarchist cookbook for medicine. We're calling the anarchist medical book, sort of a guide on how to seize control of your own health in in any realm. Because there are a lot of moving parts to health. It's it's a complicated process, and if you want to dive in, as you suggested earlier it can be a bit daunting to say like how where do i start so we're hoping to develop some literature so that people who wish to start that process can get a little more involved a little more easily um it's something that we've been working on for a while is reviving some technology that was actually developed 20 years ago and then faded away because of really, really silly bureaucratic reasons, but there was a guy who genetically engineered a bacteria with which you can you can populate your mouth with it and it will keep you cavity free for the rest of your life. So you could literally take this bacteria, brush your teeth with it once and never get another dental cavity for the rest of your life. And given that cavities both lead to vascular disease and heart disease and a number of other things and that it predominantly affects people who are disenfranchised from access to health people who are poor people who are uh, marginalized in other ways uh, class-based or, or otherwise um, are disproportionately affected by dental problems. It could be a, a huge win to be able to essentially uh, post-vaccinate people uh, against cavities. Just to uh, be clear on that though, you're saying there's uh, room for research in this kind of a thing, right? So, uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean. I, I can give you a little uh, more technical on how it works, though. Just trying to clarify is that you're not saying that this is a definite thing that people should research and and put some kind of bacteria in their mouths and they'll they'll never get a cavity again. Like that's that's something that I'm sure needs quite a bit of scientific research to prove and you know. I, I is it ready for the public to start doing research about it or there's still unknown like after effect so the research has been done uh let me back up a little bit and give you guys some technical detail and i think it'll all come clear um dental cavities are an infectious disease we don't think of them as an infectious disease but they are the reason that you get a cavity is that there is a bacterium that lives in your mouth called, that's a strain of strep, it's called strep mutans. It has mutated over the years, over the millennia, to have the ability to grip the surface of the human tooth. Most bacteria can't do that. And what it does is it eats sugar and it excretes lactic acid. Lactic acid is an acid, it breaks down tooth enamel, and once it perforates the surface of the tooth, then other bacteria can set up shop and everything sort of goes downhill from there. What was done in 1998 was that there was a dentist named Dr. Jeffrey Hillman who took this particular strain of strep, 
and he did two particular edits on the gene, one of which made it a super colonizer. So if you put this in an ecosystem with another, with the original strain of strep mutans, it will outcompete it and take its place in the ecosystem. And the second thing he did was he altered its metabolism genetically so that instead of excreting lactic acid, it excretes alcohol dihydrogenase, which is inert for the surface of the tube. So when you put this into the mouth of uh, a human subject or even a rat subject, they tested rats first before they did humans, it just changes the microbiome of the mouth and cavities are no longer a problem. It's a really brilliant solution. And for the tests that were done, it was uh, successful. He ultimately ran out of money because he wasn't a multinational pharmaceutical corporation and wasn't able to push things through the FDA. And so he never ultimately got approval. And, you know, when he turned 70 or something, he retired and sort of just gave up on it. But it's, uh, it's something to which we should all have access. Yeah, that's some, that is some amazing research. Yeah, so. So did you have more questions on that? Huh? Uh, no, I mean, like, I, I, I hear what you're saying on it, um, but the, you know, this, the person that made the discovery, um, is obviously within, uh, I, I, I guess I just kind of disagree with the, uh, notion that it's for life when, um, the guy is still alive, so he couldn't have possibly done tests for people's full entire lives, right? But I think if the uh, <laughs> if the <laughs> you know you know what I'm trying to get at, but if the data set, um, yeah, if the data that's, sets, that's a that's a, a faulty logic there. I mean, oh. sure, yeah, there there isn't data for people's entire lives, sure, but there's no mechanism for anything to reverse. I mean. Uh, he did this with people and a dozen years running, nothing's reversed. So there's nothing to suggest that the upsetting of the mouth microbiome would revert. I mean, I suppose if you went in with some like broad spectrum antibiotics and wiped out everything in your system that you could potentially repopulate it with the regular strep mutans, that would start eating holes in your teeth again. But in terms of how microbiomes in the human mouth work, it's a stable solution. And he has a number of data points on that. And I mean, of course, sure, who knows? And biology is complicated. So nothing's ever guaranteed for sure. All manner of weird shit could happen. But in terms of what we understand of biology, it would be a permanent solution. Yeah, it's it's just, yeah, because it's different than a normal, like, uh, it's different than how you view medicine normally, right? 
Uh, right. It's, it's a biologic solution. It's not pharmacological. I mean, and, and again, to, <clears throat> if you think about the sorts of things that you're given to do for oral hygiene, they're all based around the same thing. The reason you're brushing your teeth is you're trying to break up the biofilm that builds up on your teeth that's made up of strep mutans so that it's not eating into your teeth. When people say it's good to have fluoridated water or use fluoride mouthwash because fluorine is toxic to strep mutans and kills it. Uh, everything uh, circles around this idea of trying to mitigate that particular bacterium. Um, and so to merely take that bacterium and de-weaponize it, as it were, against the tooth is uh, a solution of permanence. Oh, that is interesting. So like what were what would be happen if like uh, you use like the same sort of like toothpaste that kills the one strain against uh, say like the other like um, with your new mutated strain? Well, unless you wipe it out again, unless you wiped out your microbiome entirely, um, it would come back. Uh, so uh, I, I suppose it's possible if you were, you know, if you use something extraordinarily strong or if you were brushing your teeth with some, I don't know, doxycycline or something, was, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, or some, something that was, you know, extremely strong. I, I suppose it's possible that you could reset your, your microbiome and, and fall back into that. But again, if you did that, you could just readminister it and you, you'd be back into the, category of stability and safety. Yeah. It is uh, a lot of interesting research. I, I really appreciate research done on bacteria because there is so much you could do with, uh, you know, how, you know, bacteria that, because they're, you know, they're searching in uh, bacteria that breaks down, and like fungus that breaks down plastics and all this other crazy shit. But I feel like yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of really neat room for research there and that's definitely one of the, the more interesting ones yeah they're, they're doing a number of good lines of research on on human microbiome bacteria um, e.g they found a disproportionately high number of a particular strain of bacteria in the gut of many high performance athletes which is really interesting so to sort of see the interplay between microorganisms in your system and the way the human biology works. There have been a number of things also linked to uh, gut health in the microbiome and obesity and gut health in the microbiome and uh, mental health. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to look at. And of course, when people talk about things like, oh, well, wouldn't this be a nice panacea? I can just put this in. Whereas it, it, gut health is a little more complicated because you're feeding it all the time. So the, the idea that you can put a new bacteria in your gut and stop being obese is only half true. You need to put that bacteria in large amounts in your gut and then start eating the sort of food that will cause it to survive. There's sort of a, a two-way street there. Right. Part of the reason that that micro uh, 
a microbiome gets unbalanced is if you're eating a bunch of toxic junk food that's protein poor and full of additives, those, those bacteria that are helpful start to die out. Um, so it's, it's, it's a nonlinear model. It's complicated. There are a lot of moving parts, but it's really fascinating to see what the researchers are doing. We're learning a lot more about how our biology works in a grander, more holistic sense. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, something that I have a really strong interest in. Uh, so it's really neat to hear like the com comorbidity of um, you know, like mental disorders and um, you know, gut, you know, gut problems. So yeah, it's 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 huge, and and I feel like soon we're going to get a lot more data, and we're going to be able to do more with manipulating those sort of things. I mean, already people with digestive issues have been doing pretty well by repopulating their gut and then changing their diet. A lot of people who have gut issues get discouraged because changing their diet doesn't do it by itself. Uh, because they're fighting this uphill battle with their microbiome. So if you can sort of reset and change your diet, you get this, you get to sort of start fresh. Um, you get a new new lease on gut health, which is which is wonderful. Yeah. Are there any other uh, like specific areas besides you know like, back, like bacteria and whatnot that you're like uh, super hopeful in as far as like like advancements in medicine and whatnot? Oh yeah, I mean there are a lot, and and I'm always trying to stay abreast of new things that are coming up because you know things the, the pipeline that it takes from the inception of something to somebody actually having commercial access to it is it's years and years, and it's very disappointing for somebody who says, oh, there's research in the, the field of my particular ailment or a, a therapeutic that I'd like to have access to. And it's like, well, you know, wait a few years and maybe you'll be able to buy it versus like, well, maybe you could make it yourself. Um, but there are a lot of things out there that are very exciting. There's a, there's a new implant that contains pre-exposure prophylaxis, which is extraordinarily exciting to me. Um, currently, currently the biggest problem with the HIV epidemic is that people who are infected have to stick to a very strict regimen of daily antiretrovirals to keep their load below detectable. For people who are not infected with the virus, who have, who are taking pre-exposure prophylaxis or they're exposed to the virus that don't contract it, also have to stick to a very regimented uh, structure of medications to make sure that that therapy remains effective. Now, the biggest problem is that if you miss a dose because you have a, you know, stomach flu or you take it at the wrong time or you take it without food instead of with food, then you, you end up uh, out of sync and your viral load spikes or your resistance spikes. And if you could take that out of the equation, then everything could be better. Now, if you remember uh, as early as the late nineties, 
there was an implant that was for birth control called Norplan. And you got a small implant in your upper arm and it lasted for five years. They um, since developed something called Norplan 2, which is uh, similarly structured that lasts for even longer. And they're utilizing the same technology to use pre-exposure prophylaxis. So you could get an implant in your subcutaneous layer that would last for a decade and you wouldn't have to worry about exposure to HIV. This is huge. And this delivery mechanism, which is a polymer, copolymer matrix uh, in a silicone tube that just sits under your fat layer, could deliver all sorts of things and keep people safe from a lot of diseases and keep people also in therapy for diseases they've already contracted. So I'm really hopeful for that. And there are a lot of different applications for that. Of course, there's PrEP as well, which is amazing, amazing success rates with that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how can people get involved in like with your organization? Yeah. So uh, at fourthesevinegar.org, or if you're paranoid, we're also on uh, the Onion Network. Um, there's a contact page just send us an email and please rest assured that we will read them eventually. We sometimes get swamped with a lot of them, but we're always looking for people who'd like to get involved regardless of skill set. We have a lot of different teams. We have hardware, software, publicity, online, strategy, uh, logistics, uh, law, uh, research, medicine, chemistry, all, all of these things. So regardless of your skill set, even if you feel like you have no skill set, you're just enthused. If you feel like you have no skill set, everybody has a skill set. Just say hi and, and we can start the conversation potentially and you could um, come start making the world a little healthier. I think that's a, right. uh, that's a noble way to... Uh to kind of start wrapping things up and, and, and a noble thing to end on. I mean, uh, making the world a healthier place, getting people in a better place, both physically and mentally is something I think we can all agree, uh, needs to be done. Right. Of all the causes, of all the causes that are out there, of all the things that need to be addressed, Personal health has to come first because if you are unwell, you can't do anything else. So you have to look after your health first. Yeah. And it absolutely. has the, uh, the side effect of uh, taking money out of the pockets of big pharma, which uh, I think we can all agree is, is good. <laughs> what's, uh, I won't uh, complain. What's, what's your, <laughs> um, the, I guess, big pharma, <laughs> what's, what's one of the medications you, uh, that really just gets to you. You really just don't like it. A medication I don't like, or a medication I don't like the way it's being handled. Uh, yeah, you can answer like however you, you feel. Hand, handle is probably the the best. Yeah, question. yeah. Well, so so Valdi I is the one that that always makes my skin crawl because this is one of the most incredible pharmaceutical technologies to ever be developed. It actually will wipe out hepatitis C, which is a virus. 
usually you can't expunge a virus from the body, but this does it. And it's a complicated mechanism, but it drains the viral reservoir. And it's, it's really incredible. So people who are suffering from hepatitis C don't have to just manage it. They can actually expunge the virus from their body entirely. It's incredible. You take one pill a day for 12 weeks and continue with antivirals and it's gone. The problem is these pills are $1,000 a piece. And so if you have $82,000 burning a hole in your pocket, then sure, hepatitis C is not your problem anymore. But if you don't, then you still have to manage hepatitis C. And hepatitis C is a huge problem, a huge, huge problem. It's much more virulent than HIV, and it's spreading faster and faster in the U.S. Oh, yeah. And and there's absolutely zero reason except for the way that intellectual property law continues to function that people shouldn't have access to it. We could wipe out hepatitis C in humans more or less the way that, you know, polio or smallpox kind of went out of style. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it's not being done because making people healthy and wiping out a disease is not profitable. What's profitable is keeping people sick and keeping them coming back for more. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually Definitely. just have a story of a, a guy I know who uh, had an interferon allergy. And so there was no, like, that was, in, it was like right as this was becoming, you know, an actual thing. And just they literally said, people, well, just so people are all aware, uh, interferons, uh, medication that helps rebuild the liver, uh, and liver related, uh, viruses, right? Yeah, more or less. It's, uh, it's like what they like normally they do for, uh, hep C patients. Oh, okay. They used to do, uh, as, as I understand it, but until like this came out, they said, well, your diagnosis is that you're going to die. Uh, you're going to die uh, because there's nothing else that we have for you, really. Uh, it's and- so irritating to hear about that sort of thing where when when the medical community just shrugs and says, well, sometimes people are just unlucky. That's just horrific. That should never happen. Yeah. So it's, it is, like I said, it, it's personal uh, with me when I hear you talk about stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, increasing yeah. the ability for people to get uh, these medications that otherwise they would not, uh, you know, they just die without. Yeah. It's personal uh, for all of us because there before the grace, we all are susceptible to any number of diseases. And it's only a matter of luck and or time that we haven't fallen under that bus ourselves. Each one of us is just as fragile as the next person. And those of us who are healthy are just lucky. That's all. That's very true. So uh, just while we've been talking about this, uh, I just wanted to point out as well, I guess we should probably say that, um, just reiterate that uh, if you do choose to partake in any of this, you may be breaking a law where you are. So we don't condone breaking laws, but check. Uh, I do, but that's just me. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Thugger does not condone breaking laws. Um, this is all information. It's very interesting. Um, if you are interested, look it up. But that is, we are, we're not telling you to do any of this. Um, we're just telling you about it. So and we're all carrying. That said, that said, it, the Fourth East Vinegar Collective thinks that people should not be the most upstanding citizens in the graveyard. 
and that it's better to break the law and live than it is to continue to abide by it and die. Amen. <laughs> well said. Any, uh, any Gentlemen, it's been really words? great. And um, thanks so much for having me on and uh, keep up the good work. And maybe we'll talk again sometime in the future when we've broken out some more stuff. Sounds great. Yeah, definitely. That. Uh, good luck with all the endeavors. And I hope a lot of people uh, get well. Yeah. Thanks so much, yeah. gentlemen. So do I. We'll be in touch. Definitely. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. Have take a good care. one. All right. That about uh, wraps it up for us. We, uh, I don't know. I I don't have many last words except for shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. Any uh, yeah. any yeah. last words, shall we? Uh, thanks for sticking sticking with us through uh, <laughs> through all the shit today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Next week we'll uh, I guess we'll check our uh, our stream a little bit earlier, get things back to normal, and um, yeah. If you yeah. Uh, hell yeah. yeah, all right. Stick around and we'll see you guys next week. Gonna play you out with Shia Facts. Peace. Peace. Later.
in the job on the corner. You hear me? Shy fixing me some murderer. I kill up in the job on the corner. 